Actually, I was thinking before, um, this is off topic, yeah. but um, this is the first time we've actually met. Oh, have we met? No, I think we briefly met. Okay. Briefly, briefly met when, like, there were the other guys, like Matt Saracini yeah, and, and yeah. Paul Verhoeven. Lords of Luxury. Lords of Luxury were around, and it was in a Melbourne pub, but it was very quick. Okay. But you had excellent hair then, and you also <laughs> do now. But it was it was the most brief. It wasn't even meeting. It okay. was just kind of like, I know who you are. You know, hi bye. Yeah, hi, bye. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, um, because I remember when I was first starting out in media and and sort of radio and stuff, and I used to see you were always a byline in Frankie magazine. Yes, yes, and um. I remember thinking, like, I was like, okay, so, you know, I kind of want to turn this into a career. And I was looking around, like, people who were, like, a level above me and what they were doing. What were you doing at that stage? I was, I think I was doing radio in Perth. Okay. Okay. And um, and I Googled you and found your website. Oh, God. What did I you even find? your resume. Oh, And I didn't yeah. know how to make, like, an entertainment media kind of resume. Oh so, I God, copied my... your formatting. <laughs> Like if you, I'll actually bring it up because one, I can't believe that you found that, but two, I can't believe that I even had my resume I on know, my it's website. It's pretty funny, isn't it? <laughs> and I would not be surprised if you could still Google it and find it along with my personal contact details. Maybe that's why I keep getting hacked. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you look at the resume and you'll go, I remember that. I remember that I used to have actual real qualifications that pertain to the real world. Oh wow, you've brought it up. Oh. I know the template you're talking about. So I copied it. I added a bit of uh, like serifs I to like the font that. to I make like it a bit classier than yours. But yeah, like the spacing and everything. I was like, so that's how you do a resume. I don't think it ever got me a job. Did, I was about to say, did it actually <laughs> help you whatsoever? Resumes don't really help people in the media. This is Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoo. Talking to interesting people about that interesting thing that interests them. Welcome to the second episode of Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoof. I'm Dan DeBoof. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening to episode one, if you did. If you haven't, if this is your first experience, well, your life gets better by double because there's a whole other episode that you can listen to of this podcast. Uh, it's with Maz Compton, who I did radio with for many years. Her obsession was conspiracy theories. Um, and wherever you found this podcast, you'll probably find that one too. So be certain to check that one out. This is episode two with Benjamin Law. We'll get to him in a second. Um, but yeah, thank you to everyone who downloaded and listened to and rated and subscribed and shared episode one. It means so much. Um, I love that... Some people have been telling me this podcast has become almost like a parlor game where people sort of uh, analyze what their obsession would be, what their friends were. In the WhatsApp with my friends, um, it was as diverse as from Cold Chisel and Barbara Streisand through to Light Globes and their wattages and uh, space travel. That last one was from uh, my mate Matt. Actually, Ben mentioned him at that little snippet at the start of the podcast. Matt also has a his own podcast called Something Amazing, which is worth a listen. His two obsessions were space travel and friends. We weren't sure whether he meant the TV show from the 90s, Friends, or us, his friends. I think both would work. Maybe not on the podcast. Maybe an hour of someone just talking about their friends. 
Probably wouldn't pass muster. Dunno. Who knows? That could be a future episode from someone. Um, but yeah, thanks to everyone who shared the podcast. But enough about past and future episodes. Present episodes. This one right now that you're listening to with Benjamin Law, writer, TV presenter, and his obsession is Queer Eye, the new Netflix show. Well, it was new when we spoke about it. We recorded this a couple of months ago. I'm being generous there. It was a few months ago. And uh, series one had come out, series two not yet. There is a second series now, of course. And also, in the meanwhile, from when we recorded this to now, he's actually managed to interview a couple of members of the cast with uh, Radio National, I believe it was. Uh, I don't know if there's any crossover between this and that, or um, I'm sure you'll find some nugget in here which is relevant, even if it's just Ben rating all the individual members of the cast in order of hottest to least hot or, you know, hottest to least most hot. Even if you've seen Queer Eye Seasons 1 and 2, I'm sure you'll still find something interesting in here about how it's such a groundbreaking show. The chat is hilarious. It's a little rude in parts. That's why I've slapped an explicit sticker on it. Mum, do not play this to your class, which is another bit of lovely feedback I got. My mum's been playing this to her year sixes or sevens or whoever they are. should call her. Anyway, this is... Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoof, episode two with Benjamin Law. He's obsessed with Queer Eye. Like it, share it, subscribe to it, rate it, review it. Five stars. Thank you. Here it is. See you next week. This might be dated by the time people hear us talking. Okay. But the other night, my boyfriend and I finished the all, all eight episodes of Netflix's new reboot of Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, which is just called Queer Eye now. Okay. Apparently, there's a makeover or whatever they call it for a gay guy in this one. Yeah, exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Have you watched any of it? I haven't. That's because you're a homophobe. It is, Damn. yeah. <laughs> you hate, you <laughs> hate, hate gay people. I can't believe I'm in a house of one. I don't know. He is, <laughs> Let me out. He is just sanitising his hands right now. <laughs> um, but so, I don't know if you remember the original one. So this what? was like mid-90s. I know. I'm pretty sure it was 03. Oh, was it 03? Oh, I'm, early and, thousands. And I'm pretty early sure. Noughts. Yeah, I definitely remember it because it was my first year of uni. Oh, right. So you when no, you, you've got the timing right. And you start to sort of like find who you are. Your timing is completely right because yeah. when you think about the rise of the metrosexual. And that was it. It was the that word was the metrosexual. Early 2000s. Mm. So the first Queer Eye I just thought was amazing. You know, it was really strange to see queer people, gay guys on television, period, unless yeah. they were like a minor character in Melrose Place who gets HIV or something yeah. like that. Like, yeah, and, like that's, a, and that's a very the plot special line. episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, and he is the gay um, <laughs> who has not much interaction or bearing on the rest yeah. of the story at Melrose Place. But um, I did remember really liking it, but I think it was kind of dated as well because when you think about yeah. the early 2000s and what Queer Eye was then, it was kind of like five white dudes except one mm. who are kind of handmaidens of of the straight person like that that's yeah. all they really did and that's 
fine because it was kind of satisfying to it watch. Was a bit, it was kind of like rent a gay. Like. Yeah, and it was a bit frothy and it was light and it mm. was what it was. I really liked it at the time, but I imagine if I watched it now, like someone wrote recently that they revisited it and found it a little bit surfacy and a little bit mean, like that kind of tone, like you're straight and repulsive. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Which applies Plus to those... some people sometimes, <laughs> but most of the time is probably Hey, cruel. I took my shoes off when I came into your you lovely did. house, you, right? You know how to behave yourself I in didn't... an Asian household. Sumimasen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was sumimasen. That was cultural sensitivity, and so is our conversation yeah. right now. Uh, I don't know what all the problem is. They're <laughs> lovely people. <laughs> um, Dan is drinking tea as well right out of a, now. Out of a mug with no handle mug with no handles that is how culturally sensitive yeah. he is because yeah. you don't even usually drink tea yeah i'm a coffee man yeah, yeah. so he's drinking garbage water for me because he's in my house I'm, I'm breaking down so many boundaries through this podcast we're gonna sleep together by the end of this but um <laughs> yeah so when i came into this reboot my initial thought was Well, this is a kind of a cynical reboot of a 90s franchise property about gay capitalist servitude, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) And then by the end of the first half hour, I was in tears and thought to myself, this is the emotional nourishment I'll need for the next 15 years. Like it was so, I was not expecting it to be that moving. And I think there was a review maybe in the New York Times or something that said, this reboot is is an emotionally ambitious show and i was like yeah it's completely right because every every episode there's eight has pretty much made me cry for some reason that i was not anticipating and i think this is due to a few things like you know we kind of bang on about diversity in the arts and media yeah, right? it's yeah. like diversity diversity put put someone in who looks like that or put yeah. someone in and that and i think Get that's someone in Whew, Ooh, <laughs> exactly and i think that's really important but I think so little uh, of the discussion is paid to why diversity is important. Mm. And that's why people are often resistant to diversity. And to be honest, I actually feel slightly allergic to the word nowadays because I've been on so many diversity panels. Like, I feel like it's more about inclusion. You're not not the, like only brown person on the panel yeah yeah you? yeah like, you see that all the time it's like this is our diversity group and this is our diversity person yeah and it's like a scene from get out the sequel <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think diversity and it's like well say yes I will, say you like it as an asian person i'll represent my entire continent <laughs> and people and You're even billions of people and even minorities who aren't like me um but why i think you know inclusion is so important is well this show is really really good is a really good demonstration of that so the cast itself is quite diverse Mm. like we've got um we've got a british pakistani dude we've got an african-american dude for the first time so already it's slightly different from the original and that means that all of them can access different things about the people that they go out to so for instance you know there is an episode where they're making over a cop and as a prank the cop's friend who's also a cop pulls the car over the black guy Karamo is driving the car and he's like I need to see your ID I need to and before he knows it's a prank it's a really awful tense wow horrible moment so who knew it was a prank only the- only the police officer who was pulling them up and maybe the producers okay but the five guys didn't and it's a really kind of like your heart sinks for what you're watching wow and even after it's revealed to be a prank you can just 
understand and see that Karamo is really put out like he's relieved it's a prank but also kind of angry yeah and so a lot of that episode becomes not just like a makeover show which it essentially is but like a discussion of like about Black Lives Matter and police brutality and you're like wow I was not expecting that from a show about haircuts and makeup they're sneaking your vegetables in with your dessert yeah they're shredding that carrot into the bolognese it's great I remember I saw this video about black parents with their kids saying how you should act if a cop pulls you over yeah wow and I was like I'm sorry but my parents never said to me anything about the police other than if you ever get in trouble call the police they'll always help you You that's what they are they're the police that's their job and it wasn't until you actually yeah you see these parents sitting down with their kids and like for example this mum says to her son so the cop pulls you over what are you going to do he goes well i reached down i grabbed my uh, wallet and she goes that is the worst thing to do the first thing you do is you throw both your hands up in the air and say officer i do not have a weapon yeah and i was just like holy because let's think about america in 2018 you gotta reach your wallet you might be shot dead in the next moment and most people who need to learn that lesson or not who need to learn that lesson but who haven't learned that lesson yet or aren't aware that that's Mm. a situation they aren't going to be watching a new york times video completely but they might be discovering these sort of things through other ways and yeah. To be able to sneak it in through a reality TV show is kind of incredible, right? And, and yeah, and to not have to be like, oh, sorry, time for a lesson. Yeah. But it's like, hey, you know, this show, it's, it's on Netflix, it's fun, we're watching it. You can also find out a bit about the rest of the world. Yeah, without necessarily thinking that's what you're going to go in for, because you might want to learn about Black Lives Matter and race relations in 2018 in America, but that's a kind of an earnest prospect if that's going to be sold to you that way. Yeah. I mean, it's in, it's interesting that the show has purposefully set itself in Atlanta, Georgia for the reboot because, you know, it's, it's the old South. There's a lot of residual kind of manifestations of American history there. And there's a lot of tax subsidies as well for <laughs> <in> Atlanta. <laughs> Completely, I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah, right. So, there's, <laughs> so there are production values there too. It's, it's great for the good bottom value. line. Yeah. But it also means that there's a really strong kind of um, vein of, you know, the American American brand of Christianity. Yes. And as a result, one of the other guys, Bobby, who's an incredible interior designer, he was, you know, raised in that kind of American conservatism where he was so involved in his church and denied his sexuality for most of his life and only like came out later in life and was basically bathed in shame and homophobia from his church. They go and renovate someone's house and life who is a really super active churchgoer who has like so many many kids and they have a really confronting conversation about well how do you feel about homosexuality and and that that gives bobby an opportunity to talk to the audience directly to camera about his own experience and i just think like that is such a great model to have those conversations even when it's lighter stuff like the pakistani dude um whose name is tan and takes care of fashion uh, he, one of the people they make over is um, not a fellow Pakistani, but an Indian American dude. But because they're both, you know, brown dudes with South Asian heritage, they're like, oh, we can relate to each other's family pressures. You know, like you're expected to get married to a woman, which you don't particularly want. I definitely don't want to get married to a, to a woman. <laughs> so it's a whole other pressure how our mums relate to us. But no one else would be positioned 
just so rightly to be able to have that conversation that resonates with both of them. It's really cool. Mm. I mean, when you talk about stuff like that and things like the movie Get Out and like The Big Sick and stuff like that, I do think that growing up for myself in basically Whitesville, Australia. You're talking about Perth? Well, I'm talking (laughs) about my particular sort of the golden triangle of Perth. Again, like... I cannot stress how wide I am. He's naked in front of me right now, listeners. uh, Find some tan. Yeah, yeah. Find it. You you are what I call, you've got a Blanchett complexion, Kate Blanchett complexion. (laughs) Or Blanched. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I've never even been exposed to even question these sorts Mm. of things. Like it's staggering that only now, and I think it can only be a good thing, where people are brought up to see there are many ways that you... Mm can interpret the world it's not like well you know this is how the world works because that's normal and anyone who doesn't find it that way is obviously not getting it right or not understanding it correctly yeah this is interesting because it sounds like you're really open to it and obviously a new conversation or a new perspective doesn't doesn't confront or intimidate you but i feel like so many other people their immediate reaction is well, why? Well, also, yeah. why are we so PC now? We hadn't didn't have to worry about yeah. like conversations about race and gender and disability and sexuality before. So why are you making it such a big deal? Like, I feel like that's a really dominant yeah, reaction. I mean, it's also the thing where I mean, I remember at uni learning about white privilege and just going like, it takes you a while to understand it because you also get really defensive. You're like, hey, I've worked hard for what I got, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah. you know, I, oh, privilege, privilege. But like, also, I'm also, la- also labeling you, right? Yeah. Like, white, like, why are you calling me white? I'm just a person, man. Yeah, I don't I'm see just race. A person. I don't yeah, see race. Exactly. Whereas, like, when they say little things like, so, Dan, did you get nervous before you told your parents that you were straight? Mm. And it's like, no. <laughs> it's like, but if I'd been gay, they wouldn't have cared. And it's like, yeah. But you've never even had to consider it. Yeah. So, you know, when you talk about things like um, the, the nerves or whatever about coming out to your parents, it's like, yeah, shit, that's a whole bunch of stress that I just never had to navigate. Or, you know, putting my hands up when the cops pull me over. Yeah, It's like, hey, cops, you're probably here to help me. Or if I get in trouble, fair call, you got me. And it's interesting. I mean, obviously, I had to come out at some stage to my parents and that was literally half a lifetime ago. Like, yeah. I was 17. I'm in my mid-30s now. Um, but you kind of either forget naturally or you kind of block out how full-on that was. What's great about Queer Eye is, like you said earlier, it's not Queer Eye for the straight guy. Not all the people in it are straight. And one mm. of the episodes has a gay guy and his narrative arc through episode four is that he's about to come out to his stepmother because he's got a partner and he wants her to know and feel included in his kind of truth. And it's it takes you back to all of those feelings when you're a kid. So what I really appreciate about the show is that it's really family friendly i know a lot of the conversations we're talking about sound really intense but it's a super friendly well i mean we can all remember the originals like i mean it's, it's lifestyle like, entertainment know, mr serious's discussion no no hour. no, no. Yeah. and because of that it's so accessible like I've, I've told friends like you've got to watch it with your kids because they'll love this for x reason they're really into hair or they really like colors and design mm. so watch it with your kids but the other thing that i really like about it is just <laughs> is just the people the, the the cast themselves are really wonderful like some of them are just plain hot like outrageous 
others of others. Take me through them. Take me through them. Okay, so there's like Jonathan Van Ness, and he kind of talks like this, and he kind of looks. What's his expertise? His grooming, and he okay. kind of looks a little like you, Dan. Oh, really? Well, he's got he's got like a really lovely like close like close cut beard, yeah. and he's got really long Jesus hair. Oh, great! Because I'm he, always told that I'm incredibly ungroomed. No, 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 no. Well, like he is like he's he's like the Pantene vert. Like if you oh, had the right. whole Pantene yeah. thing going on. You're very groomed to me right now. I had a moment like in winter when I had my big winter coat on and I was taking my laundry to the laundromat. So I had this big bag and it was cold. So I put a beanie on as well. And as I was walking out of my apartment, there's like these full length mirrors and I saw myself and I was like, oh God, I just look like a homeless person. <laughs> I, I looked like I had this giant bag just full of clothes. A homeless, a rough sleeper with very good teeth though. Got yeah, very good I know. Teeth. Yeah, thanks. Jonathan Van Ness similarly has excellent teeth. Did you like that segue? Nice. Um, and he is probably best known for his web work. Like he's in a lot of web series like Game of Thrones where he does the sassiest campus recaps oh, of Game okay. of Thrones Ever. Wait, is he a hairdresser? But he's also a hairdresser. Okay. So he can also, you know, give he can also transform the dudes. He's really great. And he's also quite beautiful as well. I think a lot of people like him because he's funny, but he's also very, very gorgeous. <laughs> like I think um, I would like to just roll around with Jonathan making out and giggling. Like I think I think that'd be really fun. Then there's Karamo and he Can you give every one of them like a review like in a terms rating? of like what you'd like to do with Absolutely. Them? Like, so yeah. Karamo is just like What's his expertise? Culture. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was always in the original series very ill-defined. Like yeah. poor Jay Rodriguez. Yeah. He would just like say... Here's how you shake hands. Yeah, yeah. and here is here are your tickets to the cinema. Yeah. Go see that movie. It was, and You've always dreamt of seeing. Yeah, and even in the original, I remember interviews with Jai where he, he said he kind of felt like the useless one because he was, but... He's like in the Planeteers, he's the power of heart. He's the power yeah. of heart. And it's like, you can read minds, but what else can you really yeah. do? Um, but in the new version, Karamo's like really useful. He's more like a lifestyle coach. Yeah, so okay. in some episodes, he might actually take them to like, um, you know, a boxer size session to get their confidence up, but also to improve their fitness. In another thing, he'll give them like a really great pep talk about how to build their confidence for an event that they're doing. So he's kind of like a lifestyle coach. In terms of what I'd want to do with him, <laughs> it's like full blown anal. Like he's just, he's just, he is so. Is he your type? He, well, like he's, I, I, I have many types of which he is one. But when you see him, he's just like, oh my God, like he's walking sex. He's a oh, beautiful, okay. beautiful man. Right. He also has two teenagers teenage sons which is a whole google rabbit hole you need to go down it sounds like, like you have well how does this man who looks like he's in his you know late 20s himself have two teenage sons but how i guess does he? well i guess firstly black don't crack like he might be 70 <laughs> i don't i don't actually know um but he also had you know he might be 70 he's one of those ageless yeah. people he could be morgan freeman he could be morgan know. freeman yeah. but um he has a teenage son from you know a very early fumbly teenage sexual relationship okay didn't realize that son existed adopted that kid through circumstances later on and by that stage his um his son had um a, a sibling like a half sibling okay. who also needed adopting so he adopted he come them out together. By the time the and by happened? then he'd come out his dad said that he always wanted 
children that was one of the points of grief for why Karamo was gay mm. but now suddenly he had like two sons so his dad was like super happy he's like you can be as gay as you want obviously a lot of the homophobic sentiment that's around yeah. in things like the postal survey and it was just that was like families and how are kids going to be brought up and all this totally. sort of stuff totally it's good to see like you know you a get, representation you get, of a dad exactly. and he does just incidentally drop in oh you know as a parent myself you know he, mm. he just brings that up so it's not this artificially dropped in thing because his everyday reality is being a parent so there's karamo he's really hot in a different way so that's two who's okay. next okay then i want to focus on tan, tan. he's the fashion dude he's All the right. british pakistani dude cool, he's yeah. got a great accent he's got amazing hair and he's also <laughs> really beautiful he's like i think a bit shorter than the others but what i really appreciate being like a shorter guy myself is how like secretly built tan is like oh, in one right. of the episodes he just like just takes his top off not like just well he has i'll his... just try this shirt on and you're like what where did those titties come from <laughs> uh he has his shirt button really low in one ep and it's just like a peck is just bulging out of it <laughs> and he's so did you do a freeze frame yeah it's just like oh my Pause. god yeah. like that is so defined and he's really just so he's the lovely gorgeous warm center of the group for me he's really encouraging and because he's getting you know dudes out of their comfort zone like to yep. have someone interfere with your wardrobe and say hey why don't you try this other thing on i think it's a lot of especially straight guys worst nightmare to say can you try a different look oh my girlfriend was like so when are you gonna start wearing a bit of color and i was like no. I was like, no like i actually texted her back and i was like if it hasn't happened by 32, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Can you? So do you have a theory? Like, so it sounds like you're averse to colour. Do you have a theory as to why? I feel haven't... silly when I wear oh, colour. Oh, really? But like, I feel a bit like, oh, look, I'm a silly kid. Yeah, I'm a pride yeah. flag. But also, um, I always read these things and they're like, here's some tips on how to pack for travel. And they're like, make sure everything's in the same colorway. And that way you can grab anything that works with anything. I'm like, yeah, that's like me every day. Like yeah. I can just grab two things. You're wearing kind done. of black on like, let's just paint the scene. He's not actually naked as we joked before. You're wearing like a black band oh, What are you shirt. doing, man? <laughs> I've just got a black t-shirt and... Well, they're blue jeans. Yeah, yeah. bluish black. Darkish, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that's fine. I know. I know. Wait, are you queer eyeing me right now? Kind of. Look, <laughs> I don't think that color's mandatory, but if you really like a mono monochromatic scheme, maybe you can try different cuts and different shapes. Ah, you are queer eyeing me. I know, but I can't help it. Are you annoyed at yourself a little bit? You're like, God damn it. No, I really enjoy it. <laughs> There's some kind of like gland in so many gay men that just wants to. We look at our straight brethren and we're like, we can help. Yeah. It can help. Um, okay, so that's Tan. <laughs> he's number three. Then there's Anthony, the yep. food guy. And he is like the hottest. Okay, like so he's the guy who doesn't actually know how to cook. That's what I read. I saw on Junkie. They were like, we've analyzed the episodes. Can this guy actually cook? You've read my friend Patrick Lenton's piece yeah. in Junkie, which was kind of scathing, but kind of hilarious and sort of mean, which is my favorite Look, thing. He also wrote another article saying how wonderful the show is. So I think it balances yeah, out. Yeah, it balances yeah. out. Look, Anthony is like the most conventionally attractive guy. He, I call him um, gay John Mayer. Um, okay. And not a lot of people, like you might not think John Mayer's hot, but if you take away John Mayer's music and just look at his face, mm. John Mayer's a very attractive man. Yeah. Make him gay and he's a bit more attractive and make him muscly and he becomes Anthony the food guy okay. he wears like a lot of band shirts that rolled up to display his yep. biceps um he really knows how to like smolder at the camera <laughs> like he just he, so do you just based on the look he, you just gave me he just 
he he just gives like two camera looks that just say oral you know what i mean like you just think of oral when you see his face so he's really like indisputably beautiful and people watching him have described just being stuck to their sofa watching him you know just making a mess there has been like you say you watch with your boyfriend how many times do you have to pause the episode (laughs) (laughs) there has been conjecture like you say about whether he can cook or not Uh, from what i can tell his main link to cooking is that like he lived across the street from um, Ted Allen, who was the oh, um, the original the original food, food guy, guy, who's now become like a super famous, you know, reality sh- TV chopped, chopped, chopped show, yeah, yeah, in his own right. Interestingly, and I don't mm. know why Ted Allen hasn't been a part of the promo w- process, whereas the original. The other original Fab Five members, the other four remaining ones, have been out spruiking it and been a part oh, of the publicity of maybe because he works for a different show. network. Maybe and I just he's, wonder he's why. Got golden handcuffs. Maybe he's contracted. Else. Yeah. yeah, but um, yeah. Look, Anthony makes pretty basic food for the straight men. <laughs> Give me an example. Like, okay, there's like a lot of fresh avocado. And is I'm it? Like, oh no, I was going to say it's shot in California. Mate, that's yeah. not a meal. Yeah. Um, another one is like he makes. What do you mean fresh avocado? Like as in, like there's avocado, grape, and grapefruit, and a dressing on top of the sliced avocado and grapefruit, which okay. admittedly makes the men take more effort than they usually would. But yeah. it's literally sliced avocado and grapefruit. So you could call it baby steps, or you could call it this guy doesn't know how to baby call it. steps. Yeah. I mean, look, and in other in other episodes, he makes fancy hot dogs, which again, you're kind of like. <laughs> Mate, I'm not sure. sure. What makes them but fancy. that's a, that's for a fundraiser. Oh, they've got like a different kind of mustard mixed with honey. <laughs> There's like a, a very inventive way of using, um, you know, chips like potato crisps. And it doesn't. It's not. It's not particularly impressive. That said, I don't want to be completely mean because I think he is really handy to like the 85 percent of American straight men who probably have never seen a fresh avocado. Yeah, yeah. Who like just. Peel the lids off things and eat them. Yeah, and to be honest, like when you see a lot of these dudes' pantries, it, it's pretty horrific. What is this savory pear? Yeah. So that's Anthony. He's really okay. hot. I Do you think... reckon that they were like, oh, "There's this one guy who's really good at cooking, but he looks like a goddamn ogre," oh, and then there's yeah. this other guy who's smoking hot. But all he does is slice up avocados. They would totally go for the latter option because straight men are not going to be baby. Able, and straight men are not going to be able to, you know, straight men who can't cook rather aren't just going to suddenly be making gourmet meals either. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think we need to be fair to Anthony that he he is <laughs> making the effort for the men to kind of be not intimidated by food preparation. Do you reckon though that he's a good cook? Not from what I've seen. His Instagram, I had a look at his Instagram, which was linked to in the article your mate wrote. Yeah. And um, his photos of things that involve cooking, the photos are too good. Yeah, you know? the photos are very styled. His Instagram is interesting. I mean, obviously you follow them all on Instagram. All, all of them, <laughs> all five. I've collected every Pokemon. But his Instagram is particularly interesting because he he's very, very good at making sure it alternates between food and his face So it's just yes. like Here's thirst Here's hunger <laughs> <laughs> um, And the last one is Bobby And Bobby is not like The smouldering sex symbol That a lot of the other guys are But he is Is he like 
the relatable one. He's relatable. He's also really, really sweet. Like he's really interior ha- design. Yeah, his interior design. He's really, really handsome. Um, but his skills are are the most used of the show because he. I mean, he's the one who does all the heavy lifting, and he's literally probably, like literally yeah. <laughs> because he's renovating like whole rooms and sometimes houses, and he does it within a week. And he's incredibly talented, and he's a very soulful presence. He was the guy with a very Christian upbringing who who denied his sexuality for a really long time, and the way that he talks about his childhood and his ministry years just oh, it makes you weep buckets. And he's he's so good because he's usually the person who unveil something about the guys lives that really does completely change how they see themselves uh you know it's like my whole room my whole my whole living environment is so different that i think this is the circuit breaker i need to be a different person yeah it really does fix your baseline a lot more than an avocado salad yeah changing you know what your whole house looks like Avocado and grapefruit. I'm not sure that's even a salad. It's a weird one. Isn't but Anthony, it? if you're listening, you're beautiful. Your smile is <laughs> is very very gorgeous. I like your a little life shirt. I think you do need to have other shirts though. Oh really? He's just got the one. He's got very good shirts. Like he's got one that's a reference to a, a Hanya Yanagihara novel mm. that I really love as well called A Little Life. Apparently, other, it's a real tear fest. It's a real tear fest. Yeah. And the other shirts are just from the Strokes, which I think because maybe he's so young is an ironic it, reference yeah, for him it's like already. This retro band, yeah, the yeah. Strokes. Yeah, um, it's a good show. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I don't have a deal with Queer Eye. I'm not saying that, that. was the follow-up question as well. I was like, and uh, Netflix have paid you how much? <laughs> well, and I'm not necessarily fishing to be one of the Fab Five for the Australian version because I'm not really sure I can match the quality. But also, I'm not really sure what where my skills lie i mean i know you bake bread yeah i could could probably turn that into the cooking one i could probably i could probably do (laughs) do cooking okay um and this house is very tastefully appointed it is i mean look you're seeing us with laundry out and about dan but But um, i mean the laundry looks great doesn't it it does it's very organized and we wooden coat hangers well we also rent as well so we haven't been able to really do anything with the interiors but I, i did say to my boyfriend scott he would definitely be culture because now that culture is like life coaching. My boyfriend's a very good life coach. You don't think you could be a life coach? Not really. You write a column. Sometimes I demotivate people. Like, you know those Lorna Jane shirts? (laughs) Like, I've got this theory that anyone who wears those motivational Lorna Jane shirts, like, you can do anything, are the very people who shouldn't be doing anything. (laughs) Like, I'm not really sure what I want them to do. And to be honest, I mean, like... What if you're a warlord? Like, you don't want to be doing that. You don't want to be enacting genocide. Like, maybe you shouldn't do anything or everything, really. I mean, it's just gross. Like, do you watch this show and go, man, this show is going to make so many people's lives better? Well, I think it makes people happy. And they are explicitly trying to bridge the divide between left-leaning Democrats and right-wing Trump supporters. Like, one of the people in the show is... Um, you know, someone who has a Make America Great Again cap and has placards voting for Trump and Pence. And that really confronts a lot of the guys. Yeah, how would you feel going into that house? And so that's the that's the same episode we talked about before about, you know, that's the cop the, who, yeah, yeah. who pulled, whose friend pulled them over in a very kind of chilling moment. And it's through like a really in-depth conversation with Karamo, the, the culture guy, that... They say, well, this is what the show is about. It's about bridging 
bridging those divides between politics because America, like a lot of nations, including Australia, is pretty polarised mm. at the moment. But, you know, I've, I've just landed back uh, home after a few days between airports and going interstate. And every time I've caught a plane, I've noticed someone, you know, because I've got a very weak bladder, I have to walk the plane back to the toilet. And I have noticed every time I've been on a plane in the last 72 hours, there's someone watching Queer Eye. Like, it's really taken off. Uh, and they, the people watching it have always had, like, massive, gorgeous, shit-eating grins on their face. Yeah. They're in a really happy place. And that's kind of how I felt. You know, a lot of prestige drama takes it out of you. Like, it really requires mm. a lot of you to watch that much violence or political intrigue. But sometimes when you're really exhausted, you just need to watch something happy, like unabashedly yeah. happy, uncynical, that can still engage with you emotionally. And this is my this is my special place. This is your big warm hug. And I think it is for a lot of people. Yeah, I saw the trailer and I was like... Yeah, they've got it. They've yeah. nailed it. Yeah. yeah, and now we just need a lesbian version. Oh, okay. I mean, there are no women in this show. Like, that is, that yeah, is its own right, problem. Yeah, you're right, actually. It is a bit of a sausage fest. But I do think, at the same time, they should make a, a queer woman version. And what it would be, would be five women teaching straight women about DIY, <laughs> the great outdoors, and also basic self-respect. Because, you know, a lot of straight men are garbage. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, we'll end on that note. <laughs> I said a lot, a lot. Not, not all. all. Yeah. I take that personally. Not I all straight men. <laughs> not all straight men. All right. Thanks so much, Ben. Thanks, Dan. Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBooth is pretty much made entirely by me, Dan DeBooth, except for the music, which is by Caleb Garfinkel. And the artwork, which is by David Ferrier and Joe Kutri.